Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Divya Inna and welcome to Talk Water, a Blue Tech Research podcast series focused on providing water market intelligence, a place where we discuss new and emerging water technologies. On this episode, I speak to Wade Miller on point of use, point of entry treatment. I also catch up with our research editor, Reese Owen, on Blue Tech's work this month. And finally, I'll share with you my conversation with Ronan Sketter, CTO of Fluence Corporation, about the merger and how the new architecture sh- is shaping its business in the water sector. So let's start with our first piece of the month, point of use water treatment. There's been a lot of buzz in recent months about water quality and consumer perception, including the recent bizarre fad on raw water. But ultimately, it all points at the same thing, which is the lack of trust in municipal tap water quality or pipe contamination and the desire for more control over the quality of water consumed. I have online with me Wade Miller, a member of our technology assessment group. Wade, thanks so much for joining us today. This is an area you've studied, so I wanted to ask you, we are seeing an increase in the adoption of point of use technologies and there is a wide array of technologies available in the market for us today. Can you perhaps give us a sense for just how big this market is and if it's expected to get any bigger? Pleasure talking to you this morning, Divya. And the market is quite large and it is global. Uh, it started in the U.S. probably in the 1950s with Culligan International and now has grown uh, in breadth and depth all over the globe. My estimate is that it's currently about a $20 billion per year market growing at a compound annual growth rate of somewhere between 8 and 10%. Wow. Which means that by 2020, it's probably going to be about a $24 billion per year market. Wow, that sound, that, that's a very big number. And apart from the general concerns on tap water quality and trust, we see a number of other things that are pushing the market or the adoption for point-of-use technologies forward. One such example is the Internet of Things, which provides increased connectivity to the supplier, meaning proper maintenance of home treatment devices and, and, and of course, support from the supplier themselves. I want to now talk to you about the technology itself. There are just so many suppliers out there. I mean, if I went on to Amazon or eBay now, I will have at least 50 or more options presented to me all claiming to make my water safer and in some cases taste better. So as a consumer, I'm, absolutely, I'm going to be absolutely dizzied with the options. So how, how would I decide what, what is best for me? Well, that's an excellent question. And it's going to uh, require each individual mm-hmm. uh, who's considering a purchase to decide what or, or characterize what their particular situation is. If I'm on uh, a private well, my decision is going to be different than I'm on a, if I'm served by um, a public water supply. And with regard to the dizzying array, I went on Amazon and two other websites, and the choices are absolutely amazing, um, easily more than 100 each. I think there's a number of resources that an individual homeowner uh, can go to in, in, in the U.S. Uh, I think one could contact one's local health department and get some guidance. I'm sure they get lots of questions on this uh, every day. Uh, you could also call one of the traditional suppliers mm-hmm. uh, that have local dealers such as Culligan or Connecticut or 
uh, Echo Water, which is owned by Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, these are reputable companies, and someone would come out and give you advice. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it would be a difficult situation, but if the question is, are, as, a, as a water consumer, are you concerned about the bacteriological quality? Are you concerned about chemicals? Uh, do you have taste and odor in your water? So the, the, the individual user is going to have to ask a lot of questions, yeah. answer a lot of questions before uh, someone can provide the proper advice to get you to, to the uh, water purification device that's best for uh, your individual needs. Yeah, I mean, one of the days of door-to-door selling, which made life so much easier and simpler, because with online shopping, yes, it's opened up more options, but it also means the consumer has to make more decisions first before making the ultimate decision of buying or going for a product. Um, and with these technologies, how does one validate these technologies to see if it actually does what it says? Um, well, there are a number of organizations that have... Uh, developed voluntary consensus industry standards for uh, several decades now. For example, NSF International has standards called NSF ANSI 42 and NSF ANSI 53 for aesthetic reduction and health-related reduction claims, respectively, in products that function uh, in adsorption and filtration, like under the sink Mm -hmm. uh, carbon units. And also the same for water softeners and UV devices and reverse osmosis systems. So they test these units and before they will uh, put their uh, uh, mark on or allow the manufacturer to put the mark on the product, they they go the devices go through rather rigorous testing to ensure that they do what the manufacturer says they will do right so these are certified devices okay yeah and now that adds that adds cost to the product of course <laughs> and that's yeah. that's another key point here divya is that none of these devices are <laughs> inexpensive hmm. well this is going to be my next question because as you say, if we're valuing the market to be twenty billion today, do do you see the the, the, the market growing in specific areas of the world, uh, especially emerging economies, where this is going to be very difficult for an average person in, say, India or China to afford? Actually, the region where the market is most robust currently is in Asia, in rapidly growing economies such as China, India, and. South Korea. Actually, the largest proportion is in those countries and others in Asia. The U.S. is still still represents a a strong market, but there's a there's a a bit of a uh, a competition between the old line suppliers that have traditionally used dealers, local dealers, as uh, their primary channel of distribution, as opposed to the uh, suppliers such as Pure and Brita uh, right. and countertop devices uh, that sell online and, and 
through the internet. And so the question is, uh, who's going to win this uh, challenge, the old blind suppliers or, or the newer ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll certainly be, be one to watch. I still recall the days when my grandmother used to fill up a, a bottle of water and, and simply just boil the water. <laughs> Disinfection at its simplest. So um, I'm keen to see how willing people will be in these emerging economies to, 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 to make that shift. But I guess it has to start somewhere. Well, and it, it is occurring. And these economies uh, that I mentioned, uh, India and China, South Korea, others are uh, growing rapidly and there is a bit of a distrust in the um, public water systems and of course Flint, Michigan here in the U.S. helped to exacerbate those uh, concerns and fears. Uh, Is my water safe? And the point of view, point of entry device suppliers talk about their devices as representing the quote-unquote final barrier, meaning this is, this is uh, the last point at which one can uh, take steps to ensure that the water one consumes is safe and safe to drink. Um, I'd be interested to hear what the utilities have to say about this as well, because they're also part of this part of the story here. Utilities have uh, traditionally been very, very uh, skeptical about uh, point of use, point of entry devices. Um, Some have embraced them and actually uh, considered selling them to their customers as this extra layer of protection. Mm -hmm. But most have been skeptical and viewed the selling of such devices as um, what they feel is differential protection and they don't want to get into the business of differential protection, meaning that they want to ensure that all their customers receive high quality water and feel that point of use, point of entry devices are not going to, are not needed. That's been their stance. Uh, Denver Water is an organization I know quite well and for a long, long time is one of the more, one of the most progressive uh, water utilities in the country. And so I can see them having an interest in figuring out a way to embrace point of use, point of use, point of entry devices into their overall portfolio. Well, precisely, uh, this is exactly the sort of um, conversation we're hoping to spark at Bluetech Forum, having a utility like Denver Water on one side, having uh, Pentair on the other, and uh, obviously our voice, the, the Bluetech voice in the room, and just having that 360-degree view on the topic would be excellent. So thank you very much for your time, Wade. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Absolutely. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, Wade. Now, bringing it back in-house, there are a number of research areas Bluetech have been looking into. So I'm joined with Reese Owen, research editor of Bluetech, to take us through some of the highlights for this month. Hi, Divya. Sure. Well, this month we're heading to Vancouver for the Bluetech Forum 2018, 
uh, where the theme is uh, managing water risk in the circular economy. Now we've been talking about water for years, obviously, but uh, around the world there's the global awareness of and attention to water issues is rising every year. And this has reached a bit of a tipping point in one sense regarding mergers and acquisitions within the water sector. Mm-hmm. So this month we've been looking at trends and patterns driving transactions. Uh, our technology advisory group expert Wade Miller has an analysis of the fact that there are too many dollars chasing too few goods. <laughs> uh, there are so many deals happening and there are so many people with money, private investment houses, uh, venture capitalists out there, that it's driven upward the old benchmark of five times earnings for a deal to more than six times for the average transaction. So that's been very interesting. Yeah. We also have a blueprint from Steve Gluck on highly selective adsorbents. So these are adsorbents which are used to remove contaminants from wastewater such as heavy metals or PFAs and since they're restricted in what they absorb, they last a lot longer. They don't get overwhelmed with other contaminants or other substances uh, which could uh, overwhelm the, uh, the material. Right. So this is a niche market to, with an opportunity to reduce operating costs using technology to design the pore size with the materials in some cases. Oh, interesting. So, that, so that's okay. highly uh, We have another blueprint as well out this month uh, on hexavalent chromium or chromium-6. Now, this is a carcinogen and a water contaminant. It's relatively well known for a pollutant because of the high profile of the film Erin Brockovich, which was uh, uh, the subject which, which concerned the release of chromium-6 by a, a power plant into unlined treatment ponds and hence contaminated groundwater. Uh, it's estimated that over 7 million people in the United States were exposed to tap water containing more than 0.01 milligrams per litre of chromium-6. Now, wow. that level is, yeah, it sounds scary. It's the level that California attempted to set as its legal concentration mm-hmm. before it was struck down by the courts on the grounds of uh, the affordability of actually enacting that. However, California is widely anticipated to succeed in bringing back that as a legal maximum within the next five years. So that's going to result in a potential market for treatment, uh, monitoring and data management uh, using methods such as ion exchange of maybe 100 million within the state alone. Mm-hmm. Now, if that gets rolled out to the wider US, that could rise to as much as 800 million. So it's a space we've been watching closely and will continue to watch. And then we also, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's definitely one to keep an eye on. It's funny you mentioned California. They're with the trendsetters, aren't they? Exactly, yes. If you want to know what's coming up in the future in terms of environmental regulation, then California it's always the state to watch. Look out for what and, California uh, is doing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, this month we've also been uh, to the Craft Brewers Conference and Brew Expo America. Uh, our tag expert Steve Gluck has some commentary on this uh, industry, which has actually been growing very strongly for the last few years and is now stabilising. So it's not seeing the kind of strong growth we've seen. It's maturing. And hence, now it's a maturing industry, craft brewers and other bigger brewers are becoming more aware of the issue of their wastewater treatment um, obligations and they're coming under more pressure to treat their effluent. 
So that is actually leading to a rise in opportunity, for particularly for consulting-based services, which could be linked to technology or chemical sales or outsourced services. So it's uh, ironically, as the industry sort of slows down, it's actually becoming more concentrated on what they need to do with their effluent, and that's the opportunity there. Great stuff. Thanks. Thanks very much for that. And finally, I recently spoke with Ronan Schechter, Chief Technology Officer at Fluence Corporation, for a quick chat on how things are looking in 2018 post-merger. Here's what he had to say. It's a pleasure to uh, get this opportunity to talk about uh, uh, the very exciting uh, Fluence merger between MSD and uh, RWL. So how is it going? It is quite an adventure. Uh, teaming up and uh, creating synergies that uh, will serve the company better. It is work in progress, but there's a lot going on already. So we have Eric Arfalk that has joined the company as uh, chief marketing officer. So I guess we can all expect to see some strategy-oriented uh, activities coming out of him. He's a great person, also very experienced. So that's one thing. And uh, we have some collaborations already set up. So MABR, which began in Israel as a technology in development and was initially primarily marketed to China. So together with our RWL, we're already taking it into the U.S. So our uh, U.S. operation is uh, starting uh, MABR marketing there so that's one thing and we're doing some development uh, uh, work collaborations uh, inside the company so for example we have this Italy operation doing anaerobic uh, treatment processes and we're tapping onto that with different things that we do uh, people might remember MSC originated from electrogenic uh, technologies uh, microbial fuses and electrolysis so we're working on that together with them because they're really expert on the anaerobic part, so there's some synergy there too. Besides that, there's uh, the joining of the two offices in Israel. Uh, RWL already had an uh, Israeli operation doing uh, the, the package desalination uh, plants, and uh, we were here, so we joined forces and we're tapping into their engineering, and it's, it's work in progress, as I said. Great stuff. And now since the merger, we've, we've seen Fluence appear in, in the news quite, quite a bit uh, for a number of different reasons, you know, right from, as you said, winning projects in China and Africa to building a manufacturing facility in China and to the first batch production of MABR technology. But for us, I suppose the biggest trend we've seen is that Fluence is increasingly being viewed as a leader in offering mid-sized decentralized or package quick or easy to deploy water treatment solutions, particularly with project wins in Africa and China, you know, two fairly difficult markets to enter. So, I mean, what are the key points to note, particularly when selling to communities in these developing markets? So if we begin uh, with, with the first uh, statement you made about the decentralized package, uh, fast to deploy systems that we're focusing on. This is actually company strategy right now. Mm-hmm. It's our focus and goal, business goal for the company. The reason for that is that, um, first of all, it, it is, it's, it's a new possibility. 
it, it did become possible in recent years, we think. Uh, it is an important offering that provides something that is probably missing out there in some markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it as a growing market segment because of these reasons that there are these developing countries that this would provide a good solution. It's, it's a, a tapping on to these uh, growing uh, markets together with the, the actually a new implementation of automation and communication technologies that have evolved over the last couple of decades but have not sufficiently been implemented to uh, waste water or water management planning in general. So these are enablers for uh, distributed planning that, that are based on a small decentralized package uh, system that could be uh, provided pretty fast because they're prefabricated uh, and easy to de- deploy. Absolutely. So that's the, uh, just a, a couple more notes. Uh, if we look at decentralized planning or distributed planning in, instead of centralized planning, in some cases, we can see that there's a huge energy uh, uh, savings in planning for several small systems, local small systems instead of pumping wastewater long distance. So this is an energy offering that uh, is in line with MABR, our technology, also being energy efficient. So you actually double the energy efficiency offering that you can uh, uh, provide if you do uh, distributed systems with MABR. Okay, very interesting. It's great to hear from you, Ronan. Thank you very much for that update. Look forward to meeting your Bluetech forum and certainly to discuss decentralized treatment. Yeah, looking forward to it myself. With that, I'd like to conclude this month's podcast. I hope you found the discussions insightful and we'll be back next month with more exciting content. We'll share updates from the 2019 Residuals in Biosolids conference that took place recently in Phoenix. We'll, of course, have highlights from Bluetech Forum to share with you. Uh, Bluetech Forum is actually taking place next week in Vancouver, so the Bluetech team are off to Vancouver. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoy what's going to hopefully be a fantastic summer. Stay tuned for our next episode. Take care.